Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning, New Beginnings Fellowship. How are you doing? I am just going to get into it because I literally think I have an hour's worth of content, but I only have 30 minutes, and I want to I wanna be true to that. I just need to say a thank you really quickly to a brother in Christ. I want to say thank you to Ian for praying with me down here. Uh, I don't mean to call you out, but you encouraged me. Uh, I feel like the Lord is going to do big things uh, today, and uh, that was just confirmation in that. Um, I am so glad that we are here together. Wait, wait, I need to slow down. I'm really excited. I'm Ryan Knight. I'm your family and connections pastor. But now let's talk about God. All right, uh, so here we go. Um, we are back in Philippians. I'm so glad that we are back in Philippians. This is so good. We took a little break. Uh, we, had, we had Easter. We had Next Gen Sunday, and we are back. We are in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I got to start off our sermons on Philippians, and I held up one page of the Bible. We're now on the second page, Okay. And that's where we are. So if you want to open your Bibles to chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, if you have not been here for our Philippian study, please don't think that you have to know it all, but I do want to encourage you to go back and look at those messages, listen to those messages, because they have been so sound, they've been so grounded in the Bible. But if you haven't been there, don't think that you're going to miss out on anything because you haven't been with us. Today, there is a very clear message, and I'm going to just kind of, in a summary, very quickly, tell you about the book of Philippians, okay? The book of Philippians is written by a guy named Paul. His name used to be Saul. Paul has written a lot of the letters in the New Testament, but usually when he wrote a letter in the New Testament, it was to a church in particular, and a lot of times it was like to rebuke the church because they were doing things that were not sound. Now, the, 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 the passage that we're going to read here, and also the, just the whole book of Philippians, is a very different letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it while he was in house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard, and he was writing it to the, the church in Philippi, which is very different. It's a, it's a letter that pastors can very much relate to because it is a, a letter of love and affection. He loves the church in Philippi, and the church in Philippi loves him. As a matter of fact, they love him so much that they, they uh, sent a messenger uh, to, to fund ministry, to fund Paul, even while he was in prison. I mean, they, they really, really love him. And this passage that we're going to be in is no different. I will tell you this. The book of Philippians, right in the middle, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, I, I would encourage us all, I'm, 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 I'm very convicted to do this myself. I think we should memorize this particular passage, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, because it, it gives us a synopsis of the gospel and Pastor Richard, Pastor Matt, Pastor Jeremy, myself, Silas Boldman, who's on our, uh, our, our teaching team to, to help keep us going on the right path. We all agree that the book of Philippians is about telling the believers, telling the believers to have a gospel-centered life, to let your life really reflect the gospel. So let me just read this, this very poetic part of Philippians, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, just to kind of get your, you know, your palate wet here. Who, though he was in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is a beautiful summary of the gospel right there. That there's no other name that is higher than Jesus Christ. He emptied himself. Doesn't mean he, did, he quit being God. Doesn't mean that at all. But he quit using his privilege as God. So he would experience everything that we experience as men and women. That's an amazing leader. That's an amazing leader. So now we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And when I'm trying, you know, I, I don't know if this is what a good pastor is because I don't consider, I, I don't know if I'm a good pastor. I just try to preach the word. And, and this is one of those passages that when you read this, I could just read this passage from Paul and then step off the stage, and you guys would get so much from it. But since I like to talk about the Bible, I'm going to talk about the Bible today, all right? Uh, but, but I will tell you this, that in this passage, when I was trying to, to make the name for this sermon, I came up with this, this name of, like, that I may know him. Or I was also wrestling with, well, well maybe it should be called being found in Christ. And then maybe I said, maybe it, it should be religion versus relationship. Whatever it is, all of that's in it, okay? So I'm going to tell you right now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, then I'm going to read the word, and then we are just going to get into the word. Are you good with that? Is anybody excited about that? I am too. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, bless us this morning. Be with us. Help us to really see your word and just really just get into everything that you want us to. I pray right now for transformation in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So read with me Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and say, it's safe for you. I, mean, I know I should keep reading, but I got to stop there, okay? Uh, Paul right there says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your worldly situations. Because honestly, if we were to rejoice in our worldly situations, we would all be miserable, but he says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, I've got an amazingly safe, comforting message for you. But then he turns a really interesting course. Because, I mean, think about what he says here. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. And then we get to verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the f flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm going to read it again because that is the message you need to hear. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is preaching right there. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Oh, that's so good. Verse 10, that I may know him, oh, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, before I go on, I want you to know that Paul's not talking about some weird, crazy, mystical stuff here. When he's talking about that I may share in the resurrection of the dead, he's saying, my Savior died. He was buried. He, was, he rose again. He spent some time with us, some, with some people, and taught us how to live, and then he ascended into heaven. When he's talking about the resurrection life, he's saying, when I die, I want to go to heaven and I want to see Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, I told you about his safe message right there, right? Like, he's like, hey, this message is safe for you. And then it takes a really interesting turn. Bring up my first picture. It says, look out, uh, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul is not talking about these cute, stinking dogs right here, Okay. That's Clove and Gus, and that's Callie. Callie's no longer with us. And that girl right there is my favorite teenage girl in the whole wide world. She's amazing. Paul's not talking about those because has anybody ever watched The, the Chosen? Remember, there, I think in the first season of The Chosen, I believe it's Matthew's walking around. There's this dog that's following him, and it's all nice. That is not a very good representation of dogs, to be honest with you, in the New Testament because dogs were thought of as like scoundrels, as like pests, as uh, they were vicious. They were trying to find food. This is probably what Paul is talking about on the next picture. This is the dog that he's talking about, a vicious dog, okay? And he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. What is he talking about? Well, I can tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about this group of people that were called the Judaizers, okay? Judaizers were uh, people that, you know, would follow Paul's teaching, and then they'd, they'd kind of follow up with it to some people, and they're like, hey, Jesus, this Jesus message, it's good. It's really good, but see, but plus, you got to add this to it. Before you can really be a Christian, before you can really follow Jesus, you have to convert to Judaism. And by the way, I'm not saying anything, like, disparaging about the Jewish people. That was just a section of Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish, Right? But they would say, the Jesus message, it's okay. But see, you have to add something to it. You have to be circumcised. So I have a video that we're going to watch about circumcision. I'm just joking. We're not, we're not going to watch a video about circumcision. <laughs> just, come on back with me. We're not going to do that. Uh, no, but, but, but what, what they did is the Judaizers were saying, you've got to do this outward thing to be clean yourself up. And then you have to follow these mosaic laws to clean yourself up. What they completely forgot, what they completely actually didn't forget, they just didn't realize, is that what Jesus did on the cross took place of all of that. Thank you, Rex. There is no need for all of these rituals that it's just rituals, just following rules that there's no, there's no heart in it. As a matter of fact, um, I would like to uh, let you know that 
um, I, was, I was reminded in, uh, from Pastor Richard when we were doing teacher team in Galatians, um, Peter and Paul, uh, they're talking about the circumcision party, right? There's all this argument. So this is something that is real. You can see it in scripture. But I wanna go to the next verse. It says, uh, verse three says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anybody thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Well, let me tell you what Paul says in, in the book of Romans. In Romans 2, 28 and 29, he says, for no one is a Jew who is merely outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. Listen, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Are you hearing what he's saying there, what Paul's saying there? He's saying this outward sign, there's no outward sign. There's nothing outwardly you can do to find righteousness. Do you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is being right with God. He's saying nothing you can do, nothing you've done in the past, nothing, nothing. You can follow every rule in the book. Nothing makes you righteous. What Jesus already did brought upon us righteousness. We as men and women, we try to like, like upgrade our status. We can't. Jesus' status is all we have to worry about. It's what he did. Now, Paul goes on and he says, though, um, he, he, he says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Okay, Romans 8 8 says very clearly, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If we are in the flesh, you can't please God. So we need to step out of the flesh. Well, what is the flesh? Well, Paul is going to kind of explain to us in just a second, because remember, this is a really, this is very kind of, I like the way that Paul writes this letter, because he's saying, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, you just wait, I have more. Paul's saying, look at my resume, okay? So let's look at Paul's resume. Uh, verse five, it starts off, it says, this is Paul's resume, and he starts listing all of these things that he has that should make him righteous on his resume, but it's all self-righteous, okay? It says, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He's what they would call an eighth dayer. Uh, he followed the, the, the test, his parents, not him, because, you know, babies don't say, no, 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 I don't want that to happen. You know, babies just, like, do whatever their parents have them do. If they're circumcised, they're circumcised. But his parents were good Jewish parents, and they had him circumcised. Well, why does that matter? Well, okay, so uh, let's look at, you know, if you looked at Leviticus uh, 12.3, that was a, a commandment in the law. If you look at Genesis 21.4, uh, that was where Isaac was circumcised on the eighth day. We even look at Luke 2.21, Jesus followed in the same footsteps. He was circumcised. Then he says, I'm of the people of Israel. I'm, I'm part of the chosen people. I'm part of the people that God chose. I must be righteous, right? 
And then he goes on and gives his pedigree. He's like, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Why is that significant? Well, it's hugely significant. The tribe of Benjamin. You know who came from the tribe of Benjamin? Queen Esther. Mordecai. King Saul, who Paul was most likely named after. Because remember Paul's name used to be Saul? Remember that? And then he keeps going. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And, And I guess the translation for that would be, he's like, I'm as much of a Jewish person as you can be. I speak the original language. I speak the Aramaic. I haven't lost that. I've kept to my roots. I also speak Greek, but I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. And then he says, as to the law, I'm a Pharisee. What does that mean? Well, Pharisees were the most strict sect of, of, uh, of people, and they, they knew the law and they knew the scriptures. But Paul's not saying that in a negative way, because you know what, to be honest with you, because we don't really sometimes know like the history of things. We think of Pharisees, and we automatically think of like the, the horrible people that were way off base, and they judged Jesus. Remember that? I mean, like, like that's the whole story of Easter, the, the legal trials and things like that. Well, Paul's not referring to a Pharisee in that way. Paul's he's talking about um, how like Pharisees had a history of separating themselves from evil practices. It's not until they started trying to make law more important than Scripture that the Pharisees got off base. Does that make sense? So he's just saying like like I'm 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 following the law, and then he says as to zeal. Oh, this is a good one. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. Remember, when we first started this, we talked about how Paul, he would find synagogues, he would find the believers and the people that were preaching the message of Jesus, and he would take them back and he would imprison them, or in some cases, kill them. He was actually at the stoning of Stephen. And, and I, I wanted you to see this. The Cambridge Bible Commentary talked about how Paul's had perfect sincerity in what he was doing because he felt like he was following the law. But he was morally blind because he didn't understand until his conversion experience that he was wrong. As a matter of fact, he was actually going to find Christians to persecute when he had his conversion experience. Did you know that? That's amazing. So he's saying, I was following the law. And then the last one he says, and as to righteousness, I'm blameless. I followed every Mosaic law, you cannot find fault in me. Well, Paul also says in 1 Timothy, verse 15, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, and here's the saying, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen to what Paul says. Whom I am the foremost. Paul had this amazing resume of what would be called self-righteousness. But he also knew from his conversion experience with Jesus Christ that he was a sinner going to hell. Now, I'm gonna stop here for a second and and I wanna just point something out. Many people in churches do not like it that when, when a pastor stands up here and says, hey, we are sinners and there is this place called hell so many churches have just gone to this, this, this message of the gospel being, Jesus loves you, you're special, you're needed, he needs you in his army, we love you, love you, love you, happy, happy, happy. It's not that way. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't understand the full gospel, there's this place called hell, and we are all sinners, and we are very deserving of hell. But it's the fact that we had someone who decided to take our place in all of the sin upon them and gave us the chance to be with him. Did you hear what, did you hear what Chad said about his, his grandfather? Some of you are probably thinking even maybe in your hearts right now, you're like, well, so his grandfather was about to die and he accepted Christ and now he's going to be in heaven? Yeah, because it's nothing about what he did. It's everything about what Jesus did. That's exactly why the Easter message, why the Easter message talks about the criminal on the cross. He was a criminal on the cross dying and Jesus says, hey, Today, you're going to be with me in paradise because nothing we can do. I'm going to hit, hit you over the head with that over and over and over. So I have a question for you. I have a question. Are you ready? Are you self-righteous? I know I am. Maybe you're like, okay, but hey, I, I, I'm really good in business. I, I know I, I run a really good business. Did you know that God runs the best business ever? It's called the whole world. He's good at it. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I really pride myself. I'm very, I'm, I, I'm a good person in my, you know, because basically it's a weighing system. A lot of people think it's like, well, I'm going to get to heaven because I'm doing so many good things and I'm following the rules. And if, if I get to, you know, I get to this chance, I'll, they'll see that my good outweighs my bad. That's not how it works. They might say, well, I'm a really good parent. I'm a very good parent. I really work hard on that. You know, God had one son, his name was Jesus, and he was pretty good. <laughs> Jesus is pretty awesome. Or maybe you say, maybe you say, oh, my marriage is what, I, I'm, I'm a really good husband, I'm a really good wife, I'm really good at this, and, and, and you know, Jesus' bride was the church, right? So he was good at that too. Everything you find within yourself, it doesn't cut it. Everything that where you were, it doesn't cut it. It's, 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 let me just go further, and let's go to, to verse 8. He, Paul really drives it home for us. He says, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Basically, what Paul introduces us to is a brand new accounting system. Everything that we thought was worth something is now worthless in comparison to truly knowing him. It doesn't mean that it was bad. It's just it's not worth anything in the vast comparison of how good God is. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Do you know that word rubbish can actually be translated into horse manure? All of that great stuff, all of my pedigree, everything on my resume is horse manure because God is so great, because Jesus' sacrifice is so amazing. And, and, I want to, and I'm going to start at nine. It says, and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Your righteousness doesn't come from following the rules. It, becomes, it comes from your faith in Jesus Christ and what he already did. I probably already said it like a million times, but I, I think you know I want you to understand that this morning. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, 
becoming like uh, him in his death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. When I look at 10, verse 10, it says, and I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and then it says something that most people don't really like, and may share his sufferings. I want you to think about something. If, if you're a parent, think about when your child has been sick or ch- Think about when you're, you're, someone is hurt or they're going through a really rough spot in life. Uh, you know, and, and, and all these young adults here that, that I get to hang out with, I'm not your, your dad, but doggone it, I feel like it at times. And when I see you going through horrible stuff, I feel horrible for you. And I wish I was taking that suffering instead of you. That's exactly what it means to be in love with Jesus Christ, is that you are willing to take on that suffering. You are willing to do that. And it is a beautiful thing that he gives us these opportunities as parents to kind of realize that and understand that so that we can start to, to you know, practice how to have that empathy. But, but it's not even about that. I want to I put up a picture here. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Tim Tebow. And uh, I, was, I was sharing this with my kids the other day. I feel like Tim, Tim Tebow has done things really, really well in his life. You know, he's, he's done some good things. And he was talking about the idea of success and significance, okay, the difference between the two. And he brought up this picture, which is a very famous picture. A lot of you have seen this picture, but you, need, you see this picture, and this is of a young lady who is trying to build up the energy to get to a feeding station. And there was a photographer there, and the photographer noticed that there was this vulture, and the vulture kept getting closer and closer and tried to shoo it off. And, 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 but he took a picture, and then he left. And then when he came uh, and published the picture, that picture actually won the Pulitzer Prize. That's a big success for a photographer. But as the story actually goes, and you can, look, you can actually look this up, uh, unfortunately, that photographer took his life within like four months because of just guilt and shame of finding all this success. Because success is for us, significance is for other people, right? But I would add something else. Success is for us, like success is something we experience, but guess what? We will never find significance unless we find how significant he is. In looking at the picture, it reminded me of a lesson that I learned when I was in high school. And it's so weird how the Lord can leave something just to lay dormant in your life for such a long time, and then you realize it's probably one of the most powerful messages that you've ever learned in your life. And it was about, it was about leadership. I, was, I would say I was a very successful, I've been, I, I feel like a really successful guy, you know? I do, I feel, I feel so blessed. But I remember in high school feeling very successful. I was on the football team, I ran track, I, 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 I was like, you know, just all these cool things were happening, and I had friends, and I remember sitting at the lunch table with all my football friends, and they, we had this thing, like, where people would walk in, and they would just start ripping them apart. They would just, like, start saying things that just were, like, you know, belittling people, right? And I remember I just, something was happening inside of me, and I couldn't stand it. I, did, I hated it. And I remember I stood up with my tray, and I said, I can't do this anymore, I'm going to go sit with them. And I took my tray, and I went over to this other table, and this was a table of where all of our special needs students sat at lunch. And that's where I met this kid named Curtis. Now, this was a long time ago. you got to understand, I'm pretty ancient. And uh, I didn't know that there was a term of autism, right? But I'm sure Curtis was a student with autism. Curtis, 
he was amazing. I mean, I, I started eating lunch with the students at this table every single day, and I even went to Curtis's house, and I learned that Curtis had this special, unique ability that he could listen to a song one time and know every single lyric to the song. It was so cool. And his favorite music was honky-tonk, which is funny, because I, I mean, I, I hate country music. Sorry if you like it, but I like people that like country music, but I, you know, honky-tonk. But Curtis would just put it on, and he'd, he'd sing it, and he knew it, right? Well, I remember sitting at that table, and Curtis had this big calculator watch, and, and as we were eating and talking about songs and talking about things, his alarm would go off. And Curtis would say, oh, Gene, it's time for you to go get your medicine. And Gene, who's at the table, would stand up and shuffle over to the nurse. And then we'd keep talking. And then his alarm, his big calculator watch would go off again. And he'd go, Janine, it's time for you to go to speech. And she'd get up and go to speech. I don't think I realized it then, but that was such a great picture of significance because he had significance. He didn't have success even, but he had significance. And that brings me back to that point that we will never be able to help people. We will never be able to be the, the parent that we're supposed to be, the spouse we're supposed to be, the, the worker we're supposed to be, unless we start to realize the significance of Jesus Christ. So I have three questions for you as we close. The first question is, what is your highest priority? What's your highest priority? Is it to be a good parent? Is it to be a good worker? Is it to be, uh, you know, just a great volunteer? Whatever it is, that's great. It's all, those are great things. But you cannot make yourself righteous. You have to make him the number one priority in your life. The second one is, are you found in Jesus and I know Paul didn't mean it in this context, but I'm going to take some poetic license here. And I want you to think, like, if someone could, like, have the ability to see where you are in your life at, at different moments of the day, where would they find you in your thought life? Where would they find you on the internet? Where would they find you on your phone? Where would they find you in your conversations with other people? Would they find you in some awkward places, or would they find you in Christ? My desire is to be in Christ. And then the last one, and this is, honestly, I feel like this is an important question, and it's well, just because we go to a church and just because we're in the Bible Belt doesn't mean that people really know the answer to this, is do you know Jesus Christ? And if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, do I know Jesus Christ? If you're thinking that, you probably don't. But I have great news for you. He already paid it all for you. He already took care of it for you. You need to trust and believe. Repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. We are all sinners. So I'm going to ask you to do something corporately. I want everybody to close your eyes. Amber did this last week, and I just thought it was a beautiful thing. I want you to just, we're going to corporately say a prayer. And so just pray with me. Just say it out loud. Even if, 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 Just say it out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I am a sinner. I need a savior. Come into my life. Make me whole. I pray that I can rely on you and make you my leader. 
Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes closed. If you're a person that this is the first time you prayed that prayer, or if you have rededicated your life, you feel like, I'm ready for this, I'm ready to rely on his righteousness, I would love for you to just slip up your hand right now. Just slip up your hand if that's the first time. Awesome. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Go ahead and open your eyes. I just want you to know there's some people in this room that are, have done business with Jesus Christ today. Yeah. And that's awesome. As we close, I want to tell you about something that happened this week really quick. I, uh, at, I, was, I was at this, the SFO chapel service because Pastor Richard was going to talk. And I was like, this is going to be fun seeing Pastor Richard talk to kindergartners through seniors. And it was great. It was so good. You know, he did his little, uh, I don't know, his, how he tries to scare people roar, that, like, that growl that he does, you know. He did that and told a great story. But as we were closing that service, a bunch of SFO kids, kindergarten through high school, they got up and they sang a song called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And as I was singing the song... I feel like I was so like in tune with what I was trying to preach this week. Verse number four said this, this is all my hope in peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then listen to this, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So what I've asked Chad to do, he's going to lead us just in that, that, that verse and that refrain. And thank you so much for being here. And I just pray that you do not rely on your self-righteousness, but you rely on your, your relationship with him who took care of it all. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us, or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week, and remember, we are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.